what's common among them is that it comes down to desire and hunger and people who want more. If you want more, you have to become more. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, your Peak Performance Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast. And we're going to do two episodes with Matt Morse. Matt is the CEO of the Matt Morse Companies. He's also a performance coach that works with some of the top athletic programs around the country. He's a speaker. He's a trainer. He's an author. He's an entrepreneur. Matt, in this episode, is going to talk about his creation, The Mental Game VIP, what he learned from interviewing some of the best coaches in the mental game. And in a follow-up episode next week, he's going to talk about leadership VIP things he learned from interviewing some of the best people in the field of leadership. So he played baseball at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. He was a standout middle infielder. Uh, Matt's been a friend of mine. He's been a teammate of mine here for a long time. So welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast. Matt Morris, glad to have you. Thanks, Brian. Great great to be here. And uh, I've been listening to this podcast since I was about a freshman or sophomore in high school, as, as long as I can remember. And uh, it's an honor to be a guest on this podcast and appreciate the introduction. Yeah, Matt, if you would, you know, if you, I, I kind of gave you a little intro, but before we get into uh, Mental Game VIP and then next week, Leadership VIP, would you kind of give our listeners sort of your background in terms of how you got to where you are today and sort of your story? Sure, love to. So I grew up in Sandwich, Illinois, a small suburb about an hour straight west of Chicago uh, in a small town and went to a small private high school where I played baseball and football in high school and uh, had always dreamed of, of playing college baseball in the South and really worked hard to make that happen. So, um, you know, throughout the recruiting process, I got to establish a lot of different relationships with some of the, some of the best coaches in the country and ultimately came to decide to attend UAB, just a, a tremendous fit athletically, academically, uh, love the coaches there. Uh, so that was my decision out of high school. And when I got there, uh, I remember the first fall, I think it was December of my my first fall on campus there, walking into our head coach, Coach Shoup's office for a meeting, and on his desk was the mountain of excellence with uh, all, of the, all of the different elements that Brian had created in uh, about a 20-sheet package. And I, I just remember looking at it thinking, man, I wonder if Coach is one, thinking about bringing Brian in to work with the team. That'd be awesome. Ah, I better not say anything about it. I don't know if if uh you know that's what he's gonna do but uh just kind of kept it to myself didn't really say much about it and then about six months or uh six six weeks later we started going through his pride program audios videos and really got opened up to the mental game i had heard about brian and knew knew about him uh but after going through the pride program had a much better idea of what he's all about and that is really what kind of set me on the path of being so intrigued by the mental game that uh, in year two, when Brian came to work with us on campus, you know, I kind of, you know, tried to pick his brain and ask questions as much as I could to learn about what he, what it is that he's doing and what's working. And I was always fascinated by the results and the success that the people that he was working with were having. So I knew that there was something there. Uh, then the following year, Brian was back on campus. We were in a, a one-on-one meeting that we do uh, when, when Brian comes to campus and, I asked, uh, you know, I was the last meeting of the day and he needed to ride back to the hotel. So I asked if I could give him a ride. Uh, and, and so on, a, on our way back, we started breaking down, you know, some of the things he was doing. He was asking me what I liked, what I didn't like, what worked, what didn't. Uh, and particularly on that visit, he brought with a 365 page binder 
that he wanted each player to fill out um, each night before they went to bed, kind of evaluating their days. And he asked me what I thought of it, and I just said honestly, you know, and this is, I had gotten to know him for a, a year or a year and a half now before this point, but I said honestly, I think it's too long. Uh, I don't think that guys are going to fill it out. You know, maybe three or four guys will will open it up regularly. Uh, there's got to be a better way to reach these guys. And uh, it took some courage on my part to give him some honest feedback, but I think he really appreciated that. And that kind of snowballed and one thing led to another. And, you know, we kept in touch and started doing an internship where I was doing everything from some of his social media to creating mind movies and, and different things for the clients that he was working with. Um, but I think what he appreciated the most was just the honest feedback that he wasn't getting really anywhere else or that coaches maybe didn't feel comfortable enough to give him. Um, so, you know, that evolved pretty quickly and uh, wanted to be a college baseball coach as soon as I was done playing for as long as I can remember. And in order to be a great college baseball coach, I know that I needed to learn from the best in the mental game of baseball, and which Brian was. Um, so really immersed myself in Brian's content and then uh, also just kind of had this vision inspired by Brian and Dr. Gilbert and a few others that I had surrounded myself by that um, wanting to learn from and, and kind of formulate some different philosophies, see what was out there. Uh, I set out on a mission to interview, you know, the best of the best in the mental game of baseball, in my opinion. You know, there's a range of everybody from sports psychologists to doctors to players, coaches. Um, but where I was at that time in my life, that was, um, you know, who had a presence or who was willing to be a part of this project and, uh, you know, turned out to be something pretty special that I'm, I'm proud of today that, uh, I put a lot of time and effort into to make sure that it got done right. And, uh, you know, that, that was released in the fall, uh, October of 2014 and, you know, has been a success and hearing some of the stories and the coaches and the players who have gone through it and the transformations that they've had in their lives since has been uh, astounding. So when it, when it came down to the end of my college baseball career and I had a decision to make, you know, I had explored all of my coaching opportunities, uh, which I had several great ones at division one schools all across the country. At the end of the day, going through and creating this project, I realized that there's a lot more influence and impact to be, to be made out there in different ways. And, um, you know, through the product launch of Mental Game VIP, I was able to get a taste of that. And the people who I was honored to interview as a part of that project then turned to me and said, hey, I like the way that you promoted this. I like the way that you put this together. Would you mind helping me out? And so um, long story short, that led to me being able to get on board with Brian and help him with the marketing and the business side of what he's doing and uh, allowed me to really understand that I was not trying to get into coaching because I wanted to teach guys how to run faster and throw harder. I wanted to get into coaching to make a difference in people's lives, be it a coach or an athlete or whoever that might be. So uh, just thankful for the uh, willingness of the people who are in Mental Game VIP to participate, to um, help promote it, to help me see what was out there, see the opportunities, and uh, just continuing to, to work hard every day to, to get better and to improve what my standards are, what my best is, so that I can continue to provide those around me with that, with that standard of excellence. So long story, long. That's, uh, that's how me and Brian kind of got together and uh, just excited to kind of talk about some of the details and some of the things that I learned and some of the people that I was able to talk to as a part of that project. You know, Matt, you mentioned Dr. Gilbert, who's had a huge impact in my life. I've met the man one time in 2006, and he's been in my ear every day for three minutes through a success hotline for the next 10 years, and I can say probably has had as much impact on me as anyone in the world, uh, maybe only second to Ken Revisa. 
uh, maybe my high school football coach, John Allen, but those three for sure um, have created the philosophy, the mindset, you know, that really is <clears throat> who I am. Um, you know, one of the things that Gilbert always says is he says, there's two ways to become an expert. You either go and do the work yourself or you go and interview the people that have done the work. So talk a little bit about, you know, your mental game VIP project where you go and interview, I believe it was 21 of the top mental game coaches in the country. If you would share some of those coaches and then also share, if you would, maybe the top 10 strategies or the top 10 parts of building a mindset that you learned that you think will help our listeners on this podcast. Sure. Yeah. Love to. How, how much time you got? We got all, that's all we have is time. Awesome. I could, I could share hundreds of, of different great things that were, were uh, shared in those interviews, but I'll, I'll try to get straight to the point and give you guys as much value and as little of time as possible. Uh, but to mention uh, Dr. Gilbert, I would like to thank him again, just for the inspiration and the ideas of the different ways to become an expert. And I was exploring different opportunities with my fifth year of it, of, uh, of eligibility, whether I should go into the uh, business side of it or the sports psychology side of it. And Dr. Gilbert, he said, you know, we are with Brian, you're learning from the best of the best. And, um, you know, the, the only other thing that you could do potentially to improve is to go out there and interview everybody else who's working with baseball players, who's in the trenches, who's in dugouts with players and ask them about what's working for them. Uh, so I had I had Brian who who had opened me up to the mental game. I had ideas from different people. Dr. Gilbert uh, then kind of made it clearer for me. And so then I just I just went and got after it. And I thought you know Brian talks all the time about it's the start that stops most people. And I thought it was a a, a big task ahead. I thought it was something that you know I didn't really know how it would evolve. I had never thought it would be sitting here talking about it today. I was just trying to learn more or less as an active research type of project that would allow me to get a real world application of sports psychology, what's being used in baseball, particularly, it was all baseball um, connections that were the people who I interviewed in the project. So um, from there, I went to the people who I had the best, the closest connections with, one of which was Brian, a couple others who I had connected with on social media, a couple others I had read their books or heard them speak. And I think that was about six or seven. And I thought that based on their feedback, I would know if this was a feasible idea, if it was worth my time. And every single one of them, you know, was all in. They said, how can I help you? Let's do the interview. Let's set it up. And then when the interviews were done, after I did these first few, they were all like, this, this is tremendous. You need to interview X, Y, and Z as well as a part of this project because they would love to be a part of it. They would fit, you know, they're working in baseball actively. So I um, explored all of those opportunities. So at the end of the day, I had 21 interviews complete and some great content. And I actually had players and coaches starting to approach me, um, asking me when it was going to be available because I wasn't quite sure yet. Um, but then the, the process evolved and I had the product ready and I wanted to make sure that I had the permission from all of the people who I interviewed to distribute and sell and promote this as a product. And so I contacted all of them, all 21, assuming that, you know, probably 10 would say, no, I'd rather you not, I'd rather not be a part of it so that I would still have, you know, 10 interviews and, and something that is of some substance to give people. Um, what was amazing about the whole project was within probably four days, I had heard back from all 21 individuals who not only said, yeah, please promote it um, or, or go, go for it, do your thing, uh, but also wanted to know how they could promote it to their audiences. So 
um, just tremendous, a tremendous group of people. And I think it says a lot about the sport of, of baseball and the people who are working in sports as well and, and their heart and their generosity to give back. Something that is really obvious is just that the most successful people have been helped by so many along the way that they're the first ones to step up and want to give back and want to help and want to invest in my future and my education and, and what I was doing. And uh, so that was really, really cool to see. Um, but if, if you uh, would like, I can dig into some of the details of, of the actual mental game of baseball things that we discussed um, and talk about some of the people that, that were a part of that. Well, Matt, I'll go through. I'll just go through and read off the list of people that you interviewed because I think it's a, it's, it's astounding. It's actually it's really impressive. So, uh, obviously, I, I'm in the program. Alan Jager, John Gordon, author of the Energy Bus, Charlie Mahar with the Cleveland Indians, Christine Rickardson, Dr. Rob Bell, Aaron Weintraub, Mike Tully, Al, Alan Goldberg, Justin Deemer, Tom Hansen, who co-authored the book Heads Up Baseball with Ken Revisa. You've got Ken Revisa in here, who was in the dugout with the with the Chicago Cubs when they won the World Series. Steve Springer, mental coach with the Toronto Blue Jays. Tim Dixon, Jeff Afromo, Jeff Jansen, Dr. Rob Gilbert, Mike Margolis, John Brubaker, Justin Dedman, Justin Toole. Some masters of the mental game, some of which have gone through Justin Toole I had at the University of Iowa. So really exciting to see the people that you got on here. But what I'd like to know is what do you think are the most important take-homes or were there things that, you know, there's going to be some things that one coach said that no one else said, right? But there's going to be a lot of things everyone said. So would you would maybe share with us what are the things that everyone said? And then also what are some of the key take-homes? If you had to take that, you know, book or 10 disc set that people can get, it almost looks like a 400 page book. What would be, if you were to summarize it into like five pages, what would be the things you would talk about? That's a, that's a, a good challenge there. I think to, for starters, and you can, I'm sure you can attest to this, that there's more than one way to do things, right? There's, Total. there's 21 people in here and I, all of us are at, after the same thing as helping players perform better under pressure and, and have a greater quality of life. And so everyone's talking about it. And like you said, there's some questions all, you know, 18 or 19 coaches are saying the same thing. And there's other questions that everybody has a different perspective on. And I think that's what's so great about the mental game is that there's more than one way to do things and not just the mental game, but just about everything in life, Brian. And I'm sure you can speak to that. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to get it done. You know, as I say, the person who's going to get it done most consistently is the one who knows themselves best. And in knowing the work that you put in this, I'm sure it's going to be outstanding. So were there things that everyone said? Like, did everyone talk about one pitch at a time? Did everyone talk about the process over the outcome? Did everyone talk about controlling what you can control? Because every mental game guy I've ever listened to or interviewed on the podcast, they always mention those things. Is there anything like that or those things that they said consistently? Yeah, very similar. Actually, uh, one of the questions that I asked was, uh, about the it factor and you know how some teams always have these guys who just seem to you know always be performing at a high level they seem to get it done all the time the right way and they're contagious to be around they have that positive energy and and what was amazing is uh, I want to say 18 out of the 21 commented on that that player's parents and their families from a young age be it from about one until seven or eight years old and how important that those formative years are um, and, and just minimizing the erosion, if you will, of the mindset and the culture that people are having on uh, young athletes today and, and being it wanting to push, push, push them to do this and to play all these different sports and so much and training three times a day. And, and uh, you know, I think from a, a psychological standpoint that each coach in this 
uh, project referenced was just the importance of nurturing the mindset and allowing those young kids to compete with freedom and and to protect that mindset because it's it's very very valuable to have and once it's destroyed by a coach or a parent who doesn't who's not bought into that concept it's very very hard to rebuild so i think that's one thing and obviously the things that you talk about are are very important and mentioned as well but that's one thing that jumps out at me when you say if i had to put this into five pages i would probably have a one to two pages about that because i know that there's a lot of parents out there who are digging into this and there's a lot of coaches reading this who are also parents with young kids at home what are some of the other key concepts that came up consistently in your research map because really what you've got here is you've got a a doctoral dissertation and research on the mental game is really what it is it's but it's put together in a way that people can read it because it's not bogged down with academic jargon. It's put into applicable steps that people can use. Yeah, exactly what I was after in creating it. I think another commonality that came up was that um, the pursuit of being perfect is the lowest standard that you can have and, and the things that you're doing because it's not attainable. And, and so rather than trying to be perfect all the time, let's, let's instead pursue the best version of ourselves. Let's pursue the, the best that we can perform on that day understanding that perfection is not attainable. So what if you say perfection is not attainable, then what's the goal? What are they after? The goal would be excellence and, and being the best that they can be every day. So if you're going out to um, compete in, in a, as a baseball player, rather than trying to go four for four and, and have these perfect outcomes, we're looking for rather a excellent process that is hitting the ball hard or you know attacking the strike zone as a pitcher with intent and the things that you're trying to accomplish if it's defensively it's you know playing catch at a high level things like that are what we need to take pride in today because kids are going home and they see on ESPN that you know this guy was two for four and this is his batting average and these are his web gems and um, that's what they think success is and so it's important that they understand that the process and being the best that they can be is really all that matters because that's all that they can control. So if you can speak specifically maybe to some of the great coaches that you interviewed, maybe something that you took away from them, obviously having spent two years with Ken Revisa myself as one of his grad students, I've got a, a bucket full of Revisa stories for another podcast, but maybe something that you heard specifically from maybe a Rob Gilbert or a Ken Revisa or a Alan Jager or a Justin Tool. What are some of the key things that people said that stuck out to you as, man, that's that's really good. I wish I'd heard that when I was still playing. Yeah, John Brubaker actually mentioned um, in, in a section where we're talking about failure and, and moving on quickly, he mentioned that um, the only four-letter word that he uses with the athletes and the coaches that he works with and that he wants them to use when they experience failure is next. And so obviously it's important to learn from our failures. Um, but in my experiences as a player and from the people that I've worked with, the ability to move on quickly is so very important to having long-term success because there's going to be failure. And if you let it build up, it's going to take you down. And if you can overcome, learn from it, and move on to the next, the quicker that you can do that, the better off that you're going to be. So that's that's one thing I think from, from Coach Brew that was tremendous in, in Mental Game VIP and is backed up from some of the other comments from the other people in there. And Coach Brubaker, obviously, having spent time in the trenches himself as an NCAA lacrosse coach who led a team uh, to compete for a national championship. You know, he's been in the trenches. He gets it. He actually has, has coached. You know, I think often a lot of time people that get into the mental game took an academic route to get there instead of having the experience of being in the dugout, being in the trenches. So for the listeners to this podcast, 
you know, with what you're going to get on the Peak Performance Podcast is you're going to get guests that are doing it, guests that are living it. This is not an academic exercise, and this is real-world application of the 12 pillars of peak performance and hearing from people that are actually doing the work themselves. So you talked about Coach Brubaker. Give us some other gems from the project, Matt. Sure. The uh, one that this specifically was said by Tim Dixon is, and again is backed up by many other people in the in the project, which I think is so cool, the, the commonalities that continue to come up. But Tim said that baseball is not about locking in for three hours, but rather it's about the short bursts of focus. It's locking in and then spacing out. And how you do that, obviously, is with what Brian talks about in having uh, an excellent pre-pitch or pre-game routine that allows you to be consistent there. So uh, I think as a fan or a spectator, a lot of times they're viewing the game, as, and even coaches view the game as this three-hour segment, where as a player, the better that you can get at breaking it down into one pitch at a time and locking in for seven seconds and spacing out for 15, the more consistent that they're going to be, the more success they're going to have because it's it's a much more comprehensible um, burst of focus rather than having to amp up, say, for example, like a football player does for three hours where it's much more about energy and intensity than it is about focus and consistency like it is in baseball. Well, it can be in football, right? I mean, the best football players are, are going one play at a time, and you hear Pete Carroll talk about that at all with the Seahawks and Nick Saban with Alabama. And, and Tim Dixon, huge fan of Tim Dixon. He runs a program called the Mental Locker. If you're a baseball pitcher, pitching coach, definitely want to check that out. Specific mental game applications for pitchers. Tim himself was 15-0 in 1995, leading Cal State Fullerton to a national championship. And then he went out and played minor league baseball with the Expos and Red Sox a couple of years. He was a pitching coach out at uh, Air Force. Course, did some mental training there and is now doing uh, an entrepreneurial type of sports psychology performance coaching down in the San Diego area. But Tim uh, lived it at the highest level in, in college baseball and in pro baseball. And, you know, Matt, continue, man. Give us some more gems you got from people. Yeah, you're, you're big into imagery and visualization. And uh, so going through your imagery and visualization process was huge for me. Um, had a great effect on my life as a player. And, and since finishing my playing career continue to use it every day and and I think it's so important so that was one of the questions I brought up in this project which was backed uh, by just about everybody saying that it, it's not only uh, powerful but if, if you want to compete and you want to have any type of success it's required and I think what a lot of people don't understand is that visualization or imagery doesn't I mean doesn't have to be this uh, long drawn out process but rather you know when I was in high school, I didn't know anything about visualization or imagery, but I was visualizing every night my head hit the pillow. I was thinking about hitting the, the game-winning home run or catching the game-winning touchdown in football, or that's what I thought about every day, all day long. And that's essentially imagery and visualization. Uh, and obviously that can be strengthened by clearing the mind and setting aside some time and you know turning the lights off and being by yourself. That's going to allow the imprint from that visualization to be strengthened. Um, but again, visualization and imagery is something that is required if you want to have something happen. Brian says, you know, you talk about, um, you know, everything happening twice and first in your mind and then in reality. And I think uh, for you listening to this podcast, you can think of something right now that you, you once thought about happening and now is a reality in your life. And um, that just gives you that much better of a chance to know what you're working towards. And uh, as an athlete, obviously, it gives you a better chance to be more comfortable, more confident in that situation when it happens um, than, than if you were not to do that. For example, my freshman 
my sophomore year before we opened up at the Clemson University for opening weekend, we had a 360 degree virtual tour of Doug Kingsmore Stadium where Clemson plays with 4,000 fans in the seats where we could put a, a camera out at the pitcher's mound or the shortstop spot and do a 360 degree look around of what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. Um, so how you might be able to use that with your teams is to take a, a, your field or a field that you're playing at and have them see that and strengthen that with noise. And if you can have a video, maybe that's looking around even better, and then close your eyes and have them visualize them having success in that spot. So there's a lot of different ways to improve imagery and visualization. Um, and I think the question that I asked in, in the book was about how powerful it is and, and our different ways to use it. And they all come back to the, the bottom line is it's got to be done every single day and you've got to be intentional about doing it. And, and you can do it anywhere. And if you set aside time and a place to do it, it's going to be more powerful. Well, I love the part you said, too, about when you were a kid and you didn't know you were doing mental imagery and visualization. But we're all doing mental imagery and visualization throughout the course of our lifetimes. We're just not intentional with it because we don't know the power of it that it's actually is called mental imagery and visualization. You know, I remember being a kid playing wiffle ball with my buddy Ryan Cameron behind the Village Market uh, convenience store in Williamstown, Massachusetts, and you become a home plate playing for the Yankees in a 3-2 game against the Red Sox, and we're playing wiffle ball, but you're visualizing yourself being in that environment. And, you know, Zach Sorensen, who uh, played Major League Baseball with the Indians and with the Angels, is a guest in our podcast, and he talks about doing that same thing when he was a uh, young kid. So I think we've all done that imagery or visualization, or if you were to ask yourself, what did I dream about when I was a kid? Do you still do that? Do you still put the power of visualization to effect for you by thinking about and realizing something in the future before it happened? Very much like when I was doing the Ironman in Arizona in November of 2016, I visualized everything. How I was going to visualize everything except looking at what the race course was because I wanted that to be a surprise. And then because I cheated that part of the process, I ended up having to run 28 miles instead of 26 because I took a wrong turn. But I had visualized everything before that race leading up to it, and it was spot on. And when I was there, I had the chance to interview a guy named Eric Burns who played Major League Baseball for a number of years and it was, was an outfielder with the A's and with the Diamondbacks and is now an analyst with Major League Baseball Network. And he talked about the same thing. He would visualize as a player, and he still visualizes now as an endurance athlete and all those things. And even before he goes on set with Major League Baseball Network, he'll visualize himself the way he wants to come across, the energy and all that stuff, that, that passion on camera. So visualization, pillar number nine, everything happens twice. Fantastic. Matt, what else you got for us? Yeah, just to add on to that, I, I mean, tonight when you go home and your head hits the pillow, this is something that I've done for, you know, six, 12 months now and, and really, really think that it helps me to um, maybe not only sleep better, but have a, a better morning and have a better morning routine is, is by going through the next day when before I fall asleep and from the minute that I wake up, everything that I'm going to do, everywhere I'm going to go, what I'm going to eat, who I'm going to be with, what it's going to look like and, and trying to strengthen that as much as I can and going through it slowly, don't have to run through it, but going through it slowly and know exactly what that looks like. And, and I think that process for you as a coach or a parent or a teacher, uh, an administrator is, is definitely beneficial. And it's going to help you to, when you wake up the next day, feel like you've already been there and you're more prepared, more confident, therefore going to produce better results. So just to, to add on to that, I think it's something that's extremely important. Fantastic. What else you got, man? Give us some more of the research you got from Mental Game VIP. We got just a couple minutes left, so give us the best stuff you've been holding on to, Morse. Stop holding on to it and deliver to the guests on the podcast. What do you got? Here it comes. John Gordon and talks a lot about exuding energy and, and how that 
process works. And he said that any, any energy you exude towards uncontrollables is a waste. And I love, I think probably one of the most powerful things I've learned from Brian as a player, as a coach, uh, as a trainer is that the, everything that we do is controllable or uncontrollable. The focus that we put on to the uncontrollables is a waste of life. It's a waste of energy. And it's really ultimately cheating the people around us by focusing on those things because it's not serving ourselves or our families or our teams or the people that we are around on a daily basis. So really uh, lock in on those things. Identify those things that you can control. Make a list to get your players out to pull their phone out. Make a list of the things they can control and focus on those on a daily basis because everything else is irrelevant. Fantastic. Matt, we got just a couple minutes left. Anything else you want to offer up from the Mental Game VIP project that you pulled off and put together? It's fantastic. Yeah, maybe a hidden gem inside of this thing, Brian, and something that I used every single game after I had done this process was from Mike Tolley, uh, who is the Total Game Plan founder and, and a tremendous coach of the mental game. Uh, talked about walking slower on game days than you usually do, being aware of that. And so every day, after I did this interview, walking into the stadium or walking out to uh, my car that day or walking even from class to class before the game, I would walk significantly slower um, for the sole purpose of being aware of and slowing everything around me down so that when the game came that I was in control of myself. It's something that, and he talked a lot about feeling the earth underneath your feet or feeling, um, you know, the floor underneath your shoes or whatever, and just being more in tune with the earth, the ground and slowing yourself down. And I believe had a great impact on my performance when the game came. I wasn't slowing down in the game, but I was in control. I was relaxed. I was confident. My mind was clear. And I just felt like that intent and that awareness earlier in the day helped me to do that. Fascinating. I don't know how I missed that one until now, having gone through that program. That's fantastic. I love that. Coach Tully, uh, outstanding content he puts out with him and Rob Gilbert, you know, our close buddies. And Coach Tully has some really good stuff he puts out, which if you're a caller of Success Hotline, which I think you are if you're listening to this podcast. And if you're not, here's the number. Stop your car, take it out your cell phone and put this in. 973-743-4690, Dr. Rob Gilbert's Success Hotline. Every morning, 7.30 Eastern Time, he shares a new three-minute motivational message, often references uh, Mike Tully, and the two of those guys will work on some things together. So, uh, Matt, you can, I can see you over there chomping at the bit chomping. to deliver more. What else you got? Chomping. Keep coming, man. Since, since doing both these projects, Mental Game and Leadership VIP, I've just become consumed with the best and what the best do on a daily basis and what makes them the best and how do they continue to be the best. And so one of the questions in the project that I asked um, consistently about was, was what is uh, a commonality among the best of the best that you work with on a daily basis? And this is a question that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask you to dig in to look at the variety of answers because they're all across the board. But I think uh, what's common among them is that it comes down to desire and hunger and people who want more. And Brian and, and obviously quotes Jim Rohn frequently saying that if you want more, you have to become more. And, and so my question for you is, what are the best of the best do that you're around on a daily basis? What, what is it that separates them? Are they hungry? And do they have a burning desire inside of them to be, to be the best that they can be? Again, and I think that, that's extremely important. And the uh, concept of always pursuing your best and not being caught up in being perfect 
can, can be a real game changer for you and your athletes. So Brian, it's been awesome to be on here. I could talk for hours about what's inside a mental game VIP, but I hope that those, those few seeds might resonate with the, the listeners here and that, that they can apply that. And obviously it's always available at mentalgamevip.com if you guys want to dig into the ebook or the audio program as well. And Matt, is there a coupon code or anything that they can put in there at Mental Game VIP since they're catching it here with the podcast? We can help get them a little bit of a discount. Is that, can we do that? Yeah, for sure. We can do that, Brian. You know, previously, Mental Game VIP has retailed for $200, and that includes the, the paperback book, the CDs, the digital download. Uh, but right now, if you go over to mentalgamevip.com slash cane, you can get the instant access to the digital download and the ebook, all for just 50 bucks. And then if you want the paperback book on top of that, uh, you can add that on for an additional 25 So again, that's mentalgamevip.com dot com slash cane. Fantastic. Matt, thank you for adding that little piece of research, the mental game VIP to the planet. I uh, won't say it's your best work that you've ever done because you've done some great work, but it is definitely up near the top of the list. I'm not sure what your best work is yet, but we'll figure that out. Every time Matt does something cool, I look at him and I go, dude, that might be the best thing you've ever given to planet earth. Whether it's like changing a tire on my car in a parking lot somewhere when we get a flat or creating some new program. It's fantastic. <laughs> got to so, keep changing your best, that's Brian. Right, that's right. Matt, appreciate you signing your name with excellence on this podcast. Thanks for being on. If our listeners want to follow up with you, website, Twitter handle, Facebook, what's the best way for them to get some themselves some Matt more, more Matt Morse? Sure. Yeah. Head over to Matt hyphen Morse, M-O-R-S-E.com. And you can find out what I'm doing there and you can check out my social media networks and accounts there. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. You're off the podcast for this week, but we're coming back with Leadership VIP next week. So make sure you tune in again. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.